0: Welcome to Church in the Basement, where we seek to see God more clearly and to live a life loving God and loving others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are here going through the Word of God in the basement. Uh, we started a conversation a few weeks ago uh, out of the Gospel of John We see Jesus in John 14 telling his disciples at the upper room uh, where they were celebrating the Passover, a number of things happened at the dinner table. Um, Jesus ended up washing his disciples' feet. He also, while extending friendship towards Judas, uh, identified the traitor to a number of the disciples. And Judas has now left the building. And then Peter uh, says, hey, I'm going to go to the ends of the earth with you, Jesus. I will even lay down my life. And Jesus says, oh, you'll lay down your life. Actually, you're going to deny me three times. And then in John 14, at this point in what's called the Upper Room Discourse, Uh, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he mentions, I'm going to my father's house, which in some of your Bible translations will translate mansions. Um, But the word actually means sort of this. If you think of like a really nice youth hostel, like we're all living in a house together. We have our own spaces, like our rooms and and that kind of a thing, but it's really community, the essence of community with God. And God is the focal point, right? And so after this, he he says, and I'm going to this place to prepare it for you. You don't worry, you know the way. And Thomas pipes up, thank you for Thomas. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for creating him uh, and for his inquisitive mind. Uh, he gets chided for being doubting Thomas all the time, but he asks this fantastic question. He says, Jesus, we don't know which way to go. How will we know where to go? And how will we know the way is what he says. And Jesus says, I am the way I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the father Except through me, and this is a famous and powerful statement that I think many times we either just just take at a surface level and don't meditate on. Not that we have to overcomplicate things, um, but l- we we've been taking time to sort of explore the different aspects of this statement that Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth." And the life. And a number of weeks ago, we started the conversation with, I am the way. And now we come to, I am the truth. And the truth is, as I've been digging into this, um, we may spend a little more than a week on the truth. um, Because there's a lot here, there's a lot to be said about. Jesus being the truth, the truth of who God is, and the way that we interact with the truth of who God is. Um, and we all know that there's an absolute truth, and there is a clear path in scripture um, that we are to be seekers of truth. And we have a clear defined choice on whether we want to pursue truth and the absolute truth, which ends in Christ and ends in God. Um, we hear that statement all the time in our culture now where it says, what is your truth? And of course there, there is some truth to that statement in that you have different experiences than other people. And so your perception of the world and the way you see things may be different. But I go through this with my daughters all the time. Uh, Ella will say, uh, Ad- Addie said that the sky isn't blue. Well, just because Addie says the sky isn't blue d- doesn't mean it's not blue. It, the absolute truth is that the color, the way we perceive the sky is blue, right? Um, there are many reasons behind that and there are com- complex um, reasons that science can explain as to why the sky looks blue to us most of the time. Sometimes it's gray. Um, but if you look at a red t-shirt, the t-shirt is red. That's an absolute truth. You can't change that just because of who you, who you are and your journey. You can't change the fact that a t-shirt is red unless you actually go and dye the t-shirt. Um, And I think starting from this baseline of there is an absolute truth. And when it comes to spiritual things, that is still still a factor. There is an absolute truth. And I think we're going to see today, the way I want to kick off this conversation and us sort of meditating on on what is truth and what is the truth of who God is. Um, We talk about this a lot here Uh, on the podcast, that the way we discover who God is, the truth of who God is, is in his word. But we have to start by being seekers of the truth. And I I encourage people in telling people the gospel and sharing the gospel with the world. Because once we have been touched by the gospel, that we have been rebellious towards God, And because of the substitutionary death and punishment that Jesus took on the cross for us so that we could be saved from the punishment of sin, but also uh, so that we could be clean and be made holy and righteous by the Spirit of God and by by Christ's blood, we can now enter into a relationship with God. And... We need to tell that message. And when we've been touched by that message and we believe in Christ and what he did on the cross and his spirit comes in and interacts with us and we interact with him, it's a supernatural thing. It's something where we are interacting with something that has happened in history. It's an absolute truth. Um, But also there's a spiritual element too. But just because there's a spiritual element doesn't mean it's just a belief. There is truth behind it. And there is evidence behind it as well. So I, I want to start this by, by just, we're, we're going to do a little bit of reading. Um, we're going to read in Acts 17, as well as, where are we going? Romans 1, and then we're going to end up in 1 Corinthians 2. And I just want to read these pieces of scripture. Um, one of them is history. Um, it's recorded history within the book of Acts of the early church. And then two of them are letters to the church by Paul. And the things said here are really helpful for me in clarifying, okay, why why do we need to be seekers of truth? Why is this important? And and something that is so important for us to understand in approaching the truth of who God is. So if you guys are ready, uh, we're going to jump in at Acts 17. Paul has sort of been all over the place, um, in and out of towns. Uh, He was in Thessalonica as well as Berea, um, and now he's in Athens. Um, And the interesting thing about Athens is there were a lot of philosophers there, and so they were actually very open to hearing new things, things they had not heard before. And so, they ask Paul to come and speak in what's called the Aeropagus, if I'm saying that right, Um, that's just the way I've always read it, Um, but... They ask Paul to speak and tell them about this new thing. And Paul says this. So starting in verse 22, this is what it says. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I pass along and observed.'" The objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription To the Unknown God. What, therefore, you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands. As though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God. <laughs> There it is, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him, he's quoting here, in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of our own poets have said, for again quoting for we are indeed his offspring being then god's offspring we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone an image formed by the art of imagination of man the time of ig- ignorant ignorance god overlooked But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of this resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed. Then it goes on to name some of the people who followed Paul. But isn't that an interesting conversation? So as Paul is evangelizing to these open minds and open hearts, He's basically saying we should all be seeking God because there is evidence in the world, and clearly, you guys have this graven image of a God that you label as the unknown God. That there is an absolute truth that the creation screams for a creator, that the creation had to come from somewhere, that he was created. And cultures over time have just basically conjured up these belief systems trying to give an answer to the question that creation screams for. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Why do we live? Who do we live for? And what set all this in motion? And Paul is appealing to the question that this graven image that says the unknown God, um, he's, a, he's appealing to that question. He's answering that question. He's saying the God who created everything, you're right. He is this unknown God, but he's so close to you. Because of his son Jesus, he has made a way for you to know him and interact with him and him with you. It's this incredible opportunity that we have to engage with God, to have a relationship with him. And to even as John 14 continues in and Jesus explains, I've invited you because of what I've done on the cross into the unity of the Trinity, deep, deep relationship with me. Okay. I'm going to quit rambling. We're going to keep, uh, we're going to keep reading. Cause again, I want you to soak in these scriptures and if you go back and read these, that's great too. Um, excuse me. So the next text we're in is Romans one, Romans one. Where should we start? Uh, Let's start in verse 18. Uh, So it's, it's amazing how Paul, he starts off this letter by saying, man, I think about you guys often. He's writing to the church in Rome and he is longing to go and he, he says things like, "I of course, I want to share the gospel with you guys, but I also want to be encouraged by you and you by me. Like, I'm just excited to engage with the church there in Rome. I, I just love his heart. It's incredible. So it's God's heart in him. That's what's amazing. So here we are in Romans 1, uh, and there's a lot about the truth in here and how humanity... Um, outside of faith, has sort of had this wrestling match with truth over time. So in verse 18, it says this, Romans 1, 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, whom by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So the rebellion of man is, in a in sense, suppressing the truth, Right? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts, the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So here again, we see Paul, and who knows, he could have been... um. I need to look into that. Um, What time period? Obviously, he had interactions with communities like this on a regular basis. And this is evident throughout history. Like we see it in the Old Testament that Israel even would engage with pagan cultures. Uh, Pagan just meaning uh, cultures that worshipped other gods um, and didn't believe in the one true God, Yahweh. Um, So and and that's where some of the old testament laws come from so getting tattoos the tattoo wasn't the issue the tattoo was actually aligning yourself with pagan culture and pagan religion um so it obviously through israel's history this was an issue and then we see paul going to these different cultures and of course other apostles going to these different cultures where they had done the same thing, just like in Athens, right? Where Paul shows up and they have these different idols, but one of them is this graven image of this unknown God. It's He's leaning into the fact that they are guilty because the creation cries out for a creator, so we should seek to answer that question or look for an answer to that question. But instead... Humanity has created their own answer, which is a lie. And because of that, if we just believe and worship a lie, God's a gentleman. He has made a way for us to come to Him and to interact with Him. And He's even called us to participate with what He's doing on the earth and in the bringing of His kingdom. He's, he's invited us into that process of bringing his kingdom here on earth. But if we choose to just create our own answer to the question of what is absolute truth, we see the absolute truth of what creation is, but we don't push further into, man, what is this truth of who God is? The creator, where this all came from, we settle for a lie. And that becomes very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So, the beauty of all of this is that we have the Bible, (laughs) that it has been written down, recorded, not just the history of Israel and God interacting with the people of Israel, but also the life of jesus the fulfillment of everything that happened in the old testament basically the climax of the book is the person of jesus and what he did on the cross and then everything from that is the outpouring of the spirit of god on his people and seeing the kingdom of god come the kingdom coming to earth not in a physical way but in the hearts and in the minds of the people of God those who love him and keep his words so uh i i want to bring you to another piece of piece of scripture just to meditate on as we sort of form our hearts and our minds around this idea of seeking truth um, and what the truth of scripture is in in again we're, Today, we purely just want to meditate on these, on these texts so that we can approach the, the word and the truth of who God is um, in, in an appropriate manner. So uh, we are in 1 Corinthians 2. I'm going to start in verse 6, and we'll read through it. It says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Oh, you know what? No, let's go back up to chapter, uh, beginning of chapter two. This is good. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear. And much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm going to pause there just for a second, because sometimes we overcomplicate the truth of Scripture. There are other parts of scripture where we see Paul saying to Peter, don't overcomplicate the gospel. I was just talking with a friend about that this week. Um, don't overcomplicate the gospel. He was bringing that to my mind. Um, and it's so important that we simplify these things and don't try and overcomplicate the gospel. Um, we need to make it as simple as it is. That's why Jesus makes these statements I am the way, the truth, and the life. Once we hear these statements and receive these statements, then we personally can go deeper, as he says here in in verse 6. We'll keep reading. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which... God decreed before the ages for our glory. Wow. This sounds epic already. None of the rulers of this age understand this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even in the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. I'm going to read that again. No one comprehends the thoughts of God, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in word not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, recognize it says spiritual person judges all things, not all people, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who understands the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, of Christ. Wow. That's incredible. That just blows my mind every time I read it. And I've read it several times over the last week. Um, Do do you hear what he's saying here? So we, as human beings, creation calls out for, it, it, it cries out this question. Like, who created this? Why are we here? Um, As we are pursuers and seekers of truth, not settling for lies and things that contradict themselves, but we are seekers of truth, we end up at this place called the gospel, right? It's a message called the gospel. It's the truth of who Jesus is and what he came to do to restore us. And as we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, right, first we, we say, God, we need help. We need an answer to this question. I'm messed up. I'm broken. I need help. Jesus helps us. Okay, now we've entered into to, like saving faith in Jesus. We are believers. We are walking in the way of Jesus. We are walking in the way, right? Now we approach the truth. Of who God is, knowing that this truth that I'm about to discover of who God is, this pathway, this journey that I'm headed out on, um, the way of Jesus, as I enter into how do I take the, the knowledge that is in Scripture and how does it become wisdom? Man, I need help again. So you cry out for help. Jesus answers that cry and and brings you hand in hand into the way. And then as we approach the truth, we come to this place where we say, I need help again. And who answers the call? The Holy Spirit. It says that this isn't this isn't a wisdom that comes from the wor- world. This isn't a wisdom that comes from sitting with enough n- biblical-minded intellectuals. It's the very Spirit of God that awakens and enlightens our mind, that this revelation of God, which is the the Word of God, the Bible, and we'll continue to talk about the Word of God and Scripture and how we approach this in coming weeks. But I want us to to recognize that we start in this place. We approach the way, and Jesus answers our cry for help, brings us into the way, and then we approach the truth needing help, and it doesn't come from any man. It comes from the Spirit of God. And God may use, and the Spirit of God may use other men and women in your life to bring this truth to life in your life. Again, clinging to the Word of God, uh, because nothing contradicts the Word. Um, But we need to realize that we need the Spirit of God to understand any of this stuff, any of this stuff at all. We need Him, we need His Spirit. So I encourage you uh this week um or until we get to be together next um when i get the next episode out i encourage you to reread these scriptures uh act 17 as well as romans 1 um and then 1 corinthians 2 um and let's just frame our minds and sort of understand okay this is how we approach truth And my hope is that you end in this place where, okay, I need the Spirit. And would you spend some time with Jesus and say, Jesus, I need your Spirit. I need your help in approaching your Word to discover the truth of who you are so that I can interact with you. I can fall in love with you and enter into um, this life of love and purpose and living for you. Going back to the garden. And filling the world with your image and your worship. God, would you help us all? And would you bless each and every listener? Um, Hey, I love you guys so much. um, And I can't wait for the next time we get to talk. See you then.